Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, Building Blocks for the Christian Life, Prayer, and is based on 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-7. through 7. It was delivered on Sunday, September 18th, 2022, by Pastor Steve Pierce. I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles to page 963. We are in the Timothys for the next couple of months, and we are looking at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Instructions concerning prayer. Here we go. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The story of a group of seminarians visiting this beautiful historic church. A church they had heard so much about, a beautiful structure with lots of rooms, stained glass windows. And when they went there, there was a gray-bearded elderly gentleman that greeted them at the door they assumed was the janitor. And this man said, I'm going to take you on your tour of this amazing structure. They walked through the sanctuary. They stood in the pulpit. They went up to the chancel. They walked through all these different rooms, the library. They saw just about everything there was to see in this grand old church. And then the elderly gentleman asked a strange question. Now would you like to see what fires this place up? They thought it was a Bizarre question. They weren't really sure they wanted to go to the basement to see the boiler, but there they went down a very narrow staircase and came upon a door. And they stopped. And as the elderly gentleman was opening this door, he said, Behind this door is the secret of this great church. Everything that happens up there first takes place down here. And so he pushed the door open and there were several dozen people on their knees in fervent prayer for the church, for the people. That elderly gentleman, they didn't know at the time, was Charles Spurgeon, who was full of wit and charm and later was best known as the Prince of Preachers. But I share that story with you because of the importance of what we're going to talk about in today's 
sermon, one of our building blocks for the Christian life. Prayer. Last week, we we saw how the Apostle Paul's encounter with the living Christ led him to a call to discipleship that could only be described as his great gratitude for God's mercy. And I think I've shared in other sermons that what Robert Frost once said is, at the end, all of us ever wants is mercy. That's really what we want. And because of God's great mercy, the Apostle Paul was set out on a path to grow in deeper discipleship and to lead others in the name of Jesus. And so his first assignment, if you recall from last week, his first assignment involved correct teaching and steering the church back to what the apostle originally had talked about, for they were drifting into controversial areas that were a threat to the faith. And so Timothy would use the apostle's example to lead them aright. And today we think about prayer. And prayer that develops our faith and makes us strong in the Lord. And here we're, we see in chapter 2, the apostle gives Timothy a second assignment. And that is to set in order the public worship of the assembly at Ephesus. This is a relevant subject for all of us who gather weekly for worship. Public worship is prayer, it's praise, it's preaching It is the work of the people. It's what we do together. And it's a revealing indication of what is going on in the life of any church. But this is what the apostle says to Timothy. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. I want you to think about that for a moment. Supplications. Prayers, intercessions, thanksgivings be made for everyone. For the apostle, these are the tools we access from our discipleship chest. And in one of our discipleship classes, we will read Rowan Williams where he says in his book, prayer is the life of Jesus coming alive in you. It's what it does. It changes us from the inside out. It's not so much that things change when we pray, but we are changing. The church is changing. What is supplication? It's a big word. Many of us don't even use it anymore. Supplication is asking for what you need. What, what, what does he mean by prayers? Well, that's a broad word. It means all communication with God. Any form of communication. What is intercession? That's praying for someone else, for asking God to take care of their needs. The prayers that we pray for when people are sick. It's the prayers for those who are bereaving, uh, bereaved or grieving. Those who have a special need. It's the prayers that we pray for our children and our parents. It's the kind of prayers that we will say in about an hour in Dykstra Chapel. But we also know what it means to give thanks. To praise God. For all that God has done is doing and will do. But here's the thing. The apostle pivots and he says, don't just pray for the church. He says, pray also for kings 
and all who are in high positions so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. If we were to apply that today, it's saying you need to pray for President Joseph Biden. You need to pray for leaders in other countries. Yes, even Vladimir Putin and others who we think are pure evil. We pray for them. They don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't act like us. But the apostle is telling the Christian community here, you must pray for leaders. The ones you voted for and the ones you didn't. Christians pray for everyone. And especially, they pray for their enemies. They pray for those who are not like them. Rulers need God's mercy. Rulers need guidance just as much as the body of Christ does. So we pray for them, even if we don't agree with them. Why? So we might lead a quiet, peaceable life. It's one with dignity and godliness. What does prayer do? Prayer cultivates peaceful relationships. And godliness is a benchmark of doing the will of the Lord. It's a sign of true discipleship. Prayer leads us to the main thing. And the main thing is this. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind. Christ Jesus, human himself, who gave himself a ransom for us all. We pray for everyone because God wants everyone to be saved and to know the truth. Just as we heard in chapter 1, we see that the central idea is Christ's redemptive work in the world. He is the one doing the saving. He is the one doing the redeeming. We all need mercy. We all need a savior. So remember the words from last week. This saying is reliable and worthy of full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And this week, we zoom in on a central truth. Jesus Christ gave himself a ransom for all. Not just for some, but for everybody. Why should we pray for everyone? Why? Why should we pray for the ungodly? It defies logic. Why pray for everyone? We pray for everyone because Christ died for everyone. And God longs to see people come to know him. In John's gospel, we read these words. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's beautiful. That's not something we can manipulate or do on our own. That's all God. Even if we do not fully understand why Jesus gave himself a ransom for many, we can still pray with gratitude. We can express our thanksgiving. We can tell God, thank you for all the things that God is doing and will do. Just as Paul was called to be an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles, God calls each and every one of you to serve the church in some form or fashion. 
How is God calling you to live out your faith today? What is God leading you to do? If you're not sure, I would encourage you to make supplication. Ask God for what you need and what Christ is calling you toward. And if that prospect seems way too intimidating, maybe you could start with some intercessions. Who can you pray for? How can you ask God to bless them, to heal them, to be present with them, to help their faith grow into full maturity? Who do you struggle the most to get along with? Pray for that person. Who annoys you most? Who irritates you more than anything? Pray for them. Pray for them. See what prayer for that person might do for you and for that person and for your relationship. If that's too difficult, and I realize that it might be for some of us, then pray for the church. Pray for the pastors. Pray for the elders, the deacons. Pray for the staff. Pray for the church here at 10 College to flourish and to do bold things. Pray for unity and peace. Pray for God's love to flow freely to us and from us for our lives to reflect the glory of God so that others will notice how we honor Christ with our mouths and with our actions. No matter the circumstance, we pray. We pray for ourselves and, and we pray for others. When things are going well, when things are challenging, when the bottom falls out and all hope is lost, we get down on our knees and we pray just like that group underneath the pulpit in that church who were on bended knees in fervent prayer, lifting up the needs of the church. Joseph Scriven was born into a wealthy Irish family in the early 1800s. He received a marvelous education at Trinity College in London. And he became a teacher, fell in love with his high school sweetheart, and they had great plans to change the world together. Then the unexpected happened. On the night before uh, Scriven's scheduled wedding, his fiance drowned. And in his deep sour, uh, sorrow, he, he turned to prayer and he found solace and support he needed in his dearest friend, Jesus. Shortly thereafter, he left Ireland to start a new life in Port Hope, Canada, where he met and fell in love with Eliza Rice. And just weeks before their wedding, she suddenly grew sick and died shortly thereafter. A shattered scriven turned to the only thing that had anchored him his whole life, his faith. His deep, lasting faith in Christ. And so through prayer and Bible study, he came to the conclusion that he needed to change his entire lifestyle. And so he took on a vow of poverty at the tender age of 25. He gave away most of his possessions to those in need. He worked for free. Anyone who needed help, he was there. He became known as the Good Samaritan of Port Hope. About a decade after 
Eliza's death, he learned that his mother took ill. And because he had taken a vow of poverty, he had no way to reach her. No way to get there. No way to help her. Heartsick about this and feeling a need to minister to her, he wrote a comforting letter and enclosed a newly written poem. A prayer that he had placed with these brief lines to remind her of Jesus' never failing love. And the opening lines to the poem are familiar to many of us. He wrote, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Scriven did not live to see his song carried to every corner of the globe. And quite honestly, knowing the backstory, he'd be shocked to hear that we're talking about him today and those scribbled words he sent to his mother. But we are. We're not talking about the hymn and Scriven because of the hymn. We're talking about it because of Jesus. <laughs> and because of all that he is to us, a friend who gave himself a ransom for all, who draws near to us in our suffering and remains committed even in our stumbling. There is one who is closer to us than we are to ourselves. No matter what we're going through, the church prays. It might be a bright sunny day, we pray. It could be a stormy day, we pray. Everything could be going well, we pray. Things may fall apart. We pray. We pray because it's a building block of our lives. And it is a privilege to acknowledge the power, the beauty, and the liberty that the presence of God imparts. So what will you pray for today? Whatever you pray for, the key to prayer is to pray. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for the gift of this day and for an opportunity to hear your word proclaimed once again. We thank you for this letter to Timothy, a letter to a young pastor and to all church leaders and to the body of Christ that is timeless in its truths. May we apply today's teaching on prayer to our lives and may we deepen in our discipleship. And as the apostle urged Timothy and others to pray May we do just that, trusting in you in every word and thought uttered. For we offer this prayer to the one who was a ransom for all, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? 
Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.